Greetings programs, and it is a brand new month here at the Nerd Cave Retro Show. My name is Jason Robbins. And my name is Derek Diamond. We are officially in February. January is over with, and uh, we're now in the shortest month of the year. And uh, it's also Pensacon month, which is exciting, which I'm ready for. It's like two weeks away. That's it. It's two crazy. Weeks. Oh my so, god! <laughs> so I, I was talking about this on my show uh, this this most recent episode. I don't know if you feel the same way. I always feel like January is that month that never wants to end. Yeah, you know the holidays are over. Kids are getting back into school after being gone for two weeks or whatever the case may be. Adults are getting back into work if you take time off during the holidays, and it's just the weather's lousy. And it just seems like nothing ever happens in January, but man, it flew by. It kind of did, but it kind of didn't. Like Christmas feels like it was last week, but also at the same time, January felt like it was never going to end. So it's kind of, it's weird. It's a, it was a weird month. Yeah, I, I guess it depends on you know perspective and what you have going on at the time too. But I, I know for me, it just. I think between, you know, launching the new show and then starting my new job and everything, like it has just been kind of, you know, pedal to the metal for me. So yeah. well, everything was so my fest jammed up at the end of the month trying to get, you know, Patreon shows done for both yep. shows and, and doing the uh, the taping we did last week for comedy. Like it was just so much stuff happening all at once. It was like I didn't have time to breathe. Yeah, I know what you mean. I know we we both had to to improvise for for Patreon shows this week, but I like I enjoyed the the top five list that we did. Yeah, that was a, that was a lot of fun. That was a fun show. So it's a fresh new month of uh, Patreon. So uh, if you haven't become a Patreon member yet, head over to patreon.com slash retro and as little as a dollar a month will get you those extra episodes very very early. And last month's episode, which we just dropped a few days ago was top five worst video worst gaming sequels and uh that was a very very fun episode to do yeah i think we should definitely incorporate the top five you know is some type of routine maybe not do it every month but yeah. maybe like every other month we could you know we could do one so yeah, i'm okay with that because those are fun to do and uh, i'd like to get i also like to get everybody else's opinions too uh, so before we, cause this one was kind of short notice because we couldn't get the, uh, the commentary track done. Um, because Wally had some stuff pop up and of course we were both busy. So we decided to do the top five list. So the next one we're going to let, um, especially the Patreon people will put out a call for, uh, you know, send us your lists before we do the show. Yeah, no, I love that idea. And maybe you know, you're never going to have to twist my arm to do a top five. For the next one, we, may, we should put up a poll on the Patreon for uh, people to vote what the top five list should be. Yeah, absolutely. I'm down with that. that put fun. it in their hands. Yes, it'll be in your hands, patrons. Um, so how was your week? Pretty good. Uh, it's been you know, really busy. I mentioned earlier things that my new job are really starting to ramp up. You know, it's the hours are still much better than my previous one but it's kind of you know like as soon as i get to work until i leave it's it's pretty much you know nose to the grind mm. you know getting getting everything done but i i'm actually really liking it you know everybody that works there has been really helpful and it, it's a much less stressful environment mm -hmm. <laughs> so that's so that's always nice and then you know that and just uh just doing the podcast thing yeah, work's been crazy for me because my boss was out all last week because of COVID, and uh, I was pretty much running the place by myself, which I really am not qualified to do, and uh, it was a rough week, and uh, so this week now she's back, and we're like playing catch up at this point for everything that couldn't get done while she wasn't there, so I am in need of another vacation right now, even though I just had one. Yeah, I know what you mean. It's funny you mentioned that because the week before my boss was out with COVID because she got it right after I did. So I had to you know, run my department by myself for, I think, like three, four days. And then even last week, because we had a little bit of a breakout 
of COVID. Like we had, I think, four people test positive in the span of two or three days. So the office was shut down and I worked from home uh, last Thursday and Friday. Yeah, I feel that COVID circle tightening around me because everybody's been getting it. And I'm just kind of like, I'm like Neo dodging bullets, man. Like eventually one's going to clip me in the thigh. (laughs) (laughs) I hope not. I hope I I don't get it. But it's like, it's kind of like at this point, I feel like everybody's going to get it at this point. Yeah, I still can't believe that I got it a couple of weeks ago because I had spent so much time (laughs) being careful about it. And then even though I've been around several people who tested positive, I never got it. Yeah. And then just wasn't (laughs) expecting it. And then it happened. So I'll I'll keep my fingers crossed that it doesn't happen to you. Yeah. But if it does, at least I'll get a few days off work. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> there's a silver lining in everything silver lining somewhere and then i get to play more loop hero exactly yeah <laughs> but uh we got some we got some big news happened uh was it this morning or was it yesterday i think it was uh it was two days ago two days ago well let's let's go yeah. ahead and move into that you ready to go into the news yes sir Big news that happened this week is, of course, this is from uh, blog.playstation.com. Bungie is joining PlayStation. Um, Let's see. They're happy to announce Bungie will be joining the PlayStation family. want to be clear to the community that Bungie will remain an independent and multi-platform studio and publisher. As such, we believe it makes sense for it to sit alongside the PlayStation Studios organization, and we are incredibly excited about the opportunities for synergies, God, I hate that word, and collaboration between these two world-class groups. Um, Let's see, Bungie's world-class expertise in multi-platform development and live game services will help us deliver on our vision of expanding PlayStation to hundreds of millions of gamers. Bungie is a great innovator and has developed incredible proprietary tools that will help PlayStation Studios achieve new heights under Herman Hulse's leadership. Um, so I felt this was kind of weird since Bungie, you know, was the developer of Halo, which was a Microsoft property, and then Bungie is let go from, got out of their Microsoft contract and then was bought by Activision. Activision ran them into the ground with Destiny, and now they're in the hands of PlayStation. So what do you think we're going to get from Bungie now? Do you think they're just going to make them crank out more uh, Destiny content like Activision did, or do you think they're going to give them some wiggle room to make some new Halo-ish type games? On a lighter note, when I first read this story, I instantly thought of a little movie that you and I both know called Star Wars Attack of the Clones. Mm -hmm. There's a quote that Darth Sidious says at the end of the movie, the war has begun. Mm -hmm. And I'm but then I'm like, I don't know if I'd really call it a gaming war per se. My first reaction was it seemed like a reaction to the Activision deal. It does. And I feel but, like the reason they they release this now is because of the Microsoft thing. But this has probably been in the works for a while. Yeah, I I, I agree with you 100%. I think this was in the works. But because of the Activision deal, they decided, okay, we're going to let everybody know this. Yeah. I, I hope that Bungie does something besides Destiny because, you know, I know they're mostly known for Halo, but... When you think of Bungie, you think of Halo and how great that original trilogy was. Yeah. You know, it's like when you think of true trilogies of games, like Halo is right up there near the top of the list. And Bungie did such an incredible job with it that like the standard was set really high for what else they could do. I could never get into Destiny. I don't know about you. I tried it, but it just didn't it didn't feel right. I never to played me. it. It just it I don't know if maybe the whole first person shooter thing was kind of I was kind of over it at that point but it just never really seemed like something I would want to play like that first person RPG type of thing and plus there was so much weird stuff that went along with it when it first launched that it just kind of I don't know it just kind of fell off my radar pretty quickly 
what I hope happens is that they do some type of a Halo type theme or something new. I'd like to see something new from Bungie. And you can always go back and revisit Destiny at some point. But I think we have a little bit of Destiny fatigue when it comes to Bungie. So we know they're capable of making great games. Let's see them come up with something new. Yeah. I hope they just, uh, you know, and I know people are worried about all these acquisitions and everything, but I'm kind of hoping that, you know, that PlayStation and Xbox can start playing nice with one another in the future to where you can play everything you want cross platforms. Because I think the reason they're buying up all of these, um, these studio properties and everything is because they're going to have their streaming services and it would be dumb of them to not have those services available on whatever machine you want to play on. Like if you're, if you are an Xbox player, you would be able to have whatever, you know, PlayStation now or whatever they're going to call it on the Xbox and be able to play those PlayStation games because that money's still going to go there. They, it's been proven that the the consoles are always lost leaders anyway. The 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 money comes from the the software. So why not make your software as available as possible on as many in as many places as possible? And I know people think I'm crazy when I say this, but I'm not the only person saying this. I think in the next couple of years you're gonna be you're gonna see Game Pass on a PlayStation uh, machine. You're gonna see whatever you know, PlayStation has to offer on other machine on the Xbox. You're going to be able to do that because they want their games to be able to be, I think exclusives are going to be a thing of the past at some point. We'll see if Nintendo breaks out of that. Yeah. But Nintendo is so far off in their own corner doing their own thing. They don't care about any of this. I'll, I'll say this. I don't think this is going to be the last acquisition story we oh, hear no. because it, <laughs> I mean, people might hate it, but it's the way the world is now. I mean, look in the entertainment industry, look at what Disney's been buying up over the last couple of years. They bought Marvel, Star Wars, Fox, you know, it, it's, it's the way of the world. It's, it's the era of the mega corporation. If it's just going to happen was to start buying up other game developers I honestly, I think Nintendo would go after the indie, more indie studios than anything. Like, I don't really see them buying up. Like, the only two big ones I could see that would be worth anything to Nintendo are are Capcom and Konami. And Konami is the only one I could see where they could actually do something with it. Because Konami's not doing anything. Like, when was the last Castlevania game they put out? All they're doing is... Um, the uh, uh, plinko, not plinko, uh, pachinko, pachinko machines. machines. That's all they're doing. Like if the if Nintendo were to acquire Konami, they could ha- they would have you know the like they would have um Contra. They would have Castlevania. I mean, look at all the Konami stuff they would have if they acquired Konami. You would have a new Metal Gear game for the Nintendo. Yeah, that's true. I, I don't know. Like, I, I it's tough to predict who I think is going to buy what company, but I just think within the next, probably at some point this year, we're going to hear another story like this. Oh yeah, of Sony or Microsoft buying another another gaming company because you know Microsoft has more money than the universe, so they can pretty much buy whoever they want. Yeah, exactly. Let's see. Our next story comes to us from NintendoLife.com, one of our favorite sites. Mm -hmm. Samurai Bringer slices its way to Switch this spring. Japanese publisher Playism and developer Alpha Wing, I love that name, have announced that brand new action RPG roguelite Samurai Bringer will launch on the Switch this spring. The game, which sees you slice and dice your way through some impressively colorful looking hordes of beasties, takes inspiration from actual Japanese mythology. With all manner of ghastly enemies from the annals of history to vanquish as you make your way towards a showdown with your arch nemesis, the eight-headed serpent, Yamata no Orchio. Dude, I love the art style of this. Same. It looks almost like a Lego. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, it, it does. Yeah, and, and this looks like a game that, you know, if this came out in like 93 or 94, mm-hmm. I would have ate this up. Oh, yeah. This would have definitely been on the Super Nintendo. Absolutely. And there, of course, there's a there's a trailer that you can watch uh, on the article as well to show you a little bit of what the gameplay is like. I feel like I say this a lot, but especially with a game like this and how it looks and how it seems like it plays, I might have to check this out. Oh, yeah, this is definitely one. Like, this looks... Because I'm such a huge fan of uh, Legend of the Mystical Ninja, this looks Mm -hmm. like it might be in that same vein. Yeah. Yeah, I would say so, too. it, It reminds me if Wind Waker were made today. Yeah. Is kind of how it it looks to me. I really like it. I want to try this. I'm definitely going to get this. This looks really cool. Yeah, it's also going to be available on PS4 and Steam for oh, those who awesome. don't have a Switch. So you you got some options. So th- this might be a uh, this might be a dual review. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Uh, I also for- I forgot to say at the top of the the news segment today's stories were submitted to us by I am the Rampage and Mr. Armez Jackson. And if you have a story you'd like us to cover, send them to nerdcaveretro at gmail.com. Let's see. This story is also from nintendolife.com. An AI broke Tetris on the NES and it's compelling viewing. Uh, There are a lot of talented programmers that devote their efforts to showcasing and taking retro games to new heights. And Tetris is about as iconic as it gets. In a video posted last summer, um, courtesy of Gizmodo, Programmer Greg Cannon shared a playthrough of the NES version in which his AI plays so well and progresses so far that the game breaks. Um, let's see, the performance, the AI's, AI's performance shows the game beyond its intended ending with the original, what the original programmers evidently not preparing for the eventuality of a score this high. As the run goes, uh, the game starts to break with the score tally and other parts of the display falling over and some funky color schemes also appear, and eventually the software puts up the white flag and crashes. Um, did you get a chance to watch this video at all? I watched a little bit of it, yeah. it's My initial thought was, after all these years, <laughs> someone finally beat Tetris. It took an AI to do yeah. it, but I, someone finally beat Tetris. Yeah, I ran it uh, back to about the last five minutes of the video, and uh, it's crazy. It's a, it's it's the score is a hundred and two million at level yep. two thirty seven. I think the highest level I ever got was like twenty two, twenty three. But like it's going so ridiculously fast, and then like everything just starts to break on the game. Yeah. This is one that I highly recommend people go and check it out because it's pretty mind-blowing yeah it's a cool watch especially when you're just watching the ai just obliterate these lines and it's going so fast that you're just like oh my god no human could do this yeah my head was just like (laughs) just like (laughs) pretty cool though to see you know something like that like you know like you said the, the programmers never intended for you to get that far and the game just doesn't know what to do at that point yeah our next story comes to us from G Graycon, G G R E C O N dot com. Hopefully, I'm saying that right. Yeah. Uh, Nintendo fans unimpressed by Metroid Prime 4 update. Metroid Prime was seemingly revealed a lifetime ago, and after years and years of fans begging for a new installment in the FPS spinoff of the classic Metroid series, the first look at the game was a logo that fueled hype more than any regular trailer could. Fans couldn't wait to play the game until it was revealed that the title's development would be started all over again in 2019. It disappointed a lot of long-term Metroid obsessives, but at least we know quality was the only thing on Nintendo's mind. We haven't heard anything since until now. Courtesy of at Retro Studios on Twitter, we are looking for a tools engineer and a technology engineer to join us on our journey to develop Metroid Prime 4. For those that are listening to the audio version, I just did the Picard facepalm. So they don't. We even... gonna wait a little bit longer. Yeah, uh, and the rest of the article is pretty much just people 
reacting that this game is never going to come out. I I have a sneaking suspicion as well that this game is on its way to being canceled at this point. Which is such a shame. But, but the thing is, if you're not going to make Metroid Prime 4, do something else. Uh, at Big Screen Leaks uh, made a tweet that said, Metroid Prime 4 is slowly becoming the new Duke Nukem forever. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's good. Uh, I, I stopped waiting on this game. I mean, I, I, I figured Metroid, uh, dread was, uh, basically a, uh, a pacifier until Metroid prime four drops, but they're putting up these job openings for, for Metroid prime four. Like how far behind on schedule are you guys on this thing? Like, if they restarted three years ago, they're three years in. They make Call of Duty games in less time than that. I don't know what to tell you. I really don't. I know. I feel like we've been talking about this game for years. And it's just like nothing ever changes with it. No. And I, I don't. I guess my thing is, I don't understand why. Like, are. Is this so high up on Nintendo's priority list that they no. want nothing less than perfection? Or what is it? Just come out and say it. Be transparent about it, is if, what I'm saying. If we do get another Metroid game, it's not going to be on the Switch. It's going to be on whatever the next system is because it's it's so far in late into the life of the, the Switch at this point, and they're so far along in the development of it. Like, and they're, they're still hiring, you know, they're hiring tools, engineers, technology engineers. Like it, you're not even close to being done on this thing. Which is a shame because this will be the second time that that's happened to Metroid. Cause if you remember, there was never a Metroid game for the Nintendo 64. That's right. I forgot. Yeah. Cause we that. did we didn't get a, a Metroid game after um, Super until Prime. Yeah. So it looks like... It, it, I don't it's, get it because... It's one of your flagship IPs. Like, why are you... <laughs> the, the way you feel about Metroid, like, I kind of feel the same way about Star Fox. Like, you think of... You think of those two properties, and they're pretty synonymous with Nintendo, especially during the 90s. Yeah. But they just seem forgotten about. All they care about is Mario. Yeah, I mean, who knows when we're going to get Breath of the Wild 2. Yeah, and I thought we would get it this year, but I don't think that's going to happen. And I, I don't think so either. I, I'm just waiting for the announcement that it's going to be 2023. Probably. I, I, I would put money on that. That's a good bet. Yeah, I, I'm going to say March of 2023 at the earliest is when we'll get it. Yeah. Uh, for our last story, this comes from japantoday.com. Sega name to be removed from all of its arcade branches in Japan as part of rebranding. Um, is Sega still in the arcade business? That's a hard question to answer. Walk around cities in Japan and you can still spot Sega brand arcades. The video game company's instantly recognizable logo above the entranceway doors. However, at the start of last year, Sega's parent company, Sega Sammy Holdings, sold off over 85% of the stock for Sega Entertainment, the subsidiary in charge of managing the company's arcades. That stock was bought up by Tokyo-based amusement management company, Jinda, making them the new owners, operators of the nearly 200 Sega arcades in Japan. Um, let's see... Uh, we will be changing uh, Jinda director Sho Kataoka tweeted the announcement saying, we will be changing the names of all Sega arcades nationwide to GIGO, G-I-G-O. We thank the Sega for its 56 years of history in the arcade industry and hope to be an oasis that quenches people's thirst for real entertainment. GIGO is an acronym for Get Into the Gaming Oasis. So what do you think about Sega being uh, yanked off all the arcades in Japan? That sounds like the end of an era. Because people are going to clearly know what Jigo is. Yeah. 
<laughs> as opposed to Sega, a name that's been around for decades. I mean, why would you change that name? That just seems weird to me. Whenever you said Jigo, I thought of and Jigo was its name. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, that was a terrible joke. But I, I think I get what they're doing. I get rebranding, but you Sega is such an iconic name in the gaming world still. I want to say it would be like if Nintendo changed its name because Sega's not on that level. But Sega's still really popular. You talk to a lot of people, they know what Sega is. Yeah. You know, because chances are if, if it's somebody my age, they had a Genesis growing up. So they they know what that is. So I don't get why you would essentially take away years and years and decades of history behind a brand and a name yeah for something completely new they may not be nintendo but you know they're like it's like coke or pepsi you know it's it's like a it's like a staple like people it's the name is still relevant you know it's not like in television or anything i mean it's freaking sega you know yeah i i don't understand it like i I get it, but I don't get it. Yeah, I don't either. That's just weird to me. That that's truly going to be the end of an era. Yeah, when absolutely. that happens. Um, mm. but that's pretty much it for the uh, the news this month. You ready to do some video game history? Sure. In February of 1982, Atari releases Haunted House for the 2600, which is later considered one of the first survival horror games. I used to have Haunted House. I think I still do for my Atari 2600. The gameplay, so I, the only thing I've seen is the cover art and there's a gameplay screenshot on the article we're looking at. I have, based off this, I have no clue how this game plays. I didn't either. <laughs> Even I had the game and had no clue how to play it. Uh, I mean, the, the concept of it sounds pretty cool, though. I mean, especially for a game, you know, of that time. Yeah, I, I just, it's, it was weird back then when you had games like, like this, because when you think of the Atari, you think of simple games like, you know, Pac-Man, uh, Space Invaders, things of that nature. But then you had games like this, like Haunted House, you had um, E.T., you had Indiana Jones, where you actually had tasks to do, and there were was an actual ending to these games, um, like, the, like Adventure. You know, that game had an actual ending to it. There were tasks you had to do. But it's so hard to figure these games out, like, without a manual or... I mean, even with the manual, they were hard to figure out because, the, you know, the graphics are so rudimentary and you had a joystick and one button. There's only so much you can do with that layout. You know, I just had an idea. We should, you know how we've talked about old computer games that we played, you know, in school and whatnot. Mm-hmm. We should try and find some of those and review those on the show. I'm, I'm okay with that. Like I, I just I had flashbacks as you were describing that to games like uh, Word Rescue and Number Munchers that I played in school. Yeah. Like that, I bet there would be a at least two or three listeners of our show that would be like, "Hey, I remember that. That's cool." Yeah, I used to play uh, I think Snoopy and the Red Baron on uh, Commodore sixty four, and it was basically just Hangman, you know, yeah, like Hangman type of game, like that type of stuff. Oh, that'd be fun. Yeah. I, I, we should look in to see if we can find any of those to play online. Oh, yeah. I'm sure they're pretty easy to find. You probably find them on archive.org these days. Yeah, I think so, too. February of 1986, Namco releases Sky Kid Deluxe, the first game to use a Yamaha YM2151FM sound chip. Man, the color scheme of this game screams late 70s, early 80s. Yeah, this looks like a uh, Atari 2600 game. Yeah, it is interesting, though, reading, you know, about these games like, oh, this was the first to use this piece of technology or this was the first to, you know, personify or identify a a genre with. So, yeah, that's that's interesting. So we should look up this old stuff and play play them and review them. 
we we should do like um i don't know what we would call it but dedicate a whole month to where we do nothing but like really old computer games or like atari and amiga games i'll even go back and play things like haunted house and see if i can figure out how to play them (laughs) (laughs) Uh, february 14th of 1991 dma design releases lemmings for the amiga puzzle game that requires the player to lead a group of lemmings through a dangerous environment to an escape portal i remember when this game came out for the super nintendo i think they dedicated a whole issue of uh nintendo power to it lemmings were on the cover Mm mm-hmm I remember that issue very well. Yeah, This has been one that I, I've wanted to go back and review because I never played this game, but I remember it being advertised in Nintendo Power. So mm-hmm. hopefully one day I can, I can track down a copy of it and uh, I'll talk about it. But it looks interesting, though. Yeah. February 23rd of 1994, Capcom releases Super Street Fighter II Turbo for the arcade and that's all i'm going to say because you might be hearing a little more about this game in a bit <laughs> mm-hmm. uh and second to last we have february 29th 2000 pokemon stadium is released for the nintendo 64 one of my favorite games for the n64 just this was like the pinnacle of pokemon games when i was a kid because you could play as pokemon on your console and you could also access your game boy game through an adapter on the controller. Oh, that's cool. And you can, and I'll, I'll go into much more detail because I do want to review this game at some point, but yeah, it came with this adapter that you plug into your controller. You put your game boy game in and you go to this certain area on the map and then you start playing your game boy game. And the cool thing is, so if you have on your game boy game, you have like, a 95 Pikachu or a 95 Charizard, you can port it to the N64 and use it in tournaments. Oh, that's cool. So what, it's basically just like a, like it says, stadium where you just kind of go in and just fight Pokemon in a big stadium? Yep. So you you do different types of, of tournaments. You can do like one-on-one battles. You can battle um, the Elite Four, which are the like four strongest trainers in the world. Um, and then at the end, you can actually fight Mewtwo, which at that point was the strongest Pokemon, you know, at that time. So there are so many Pokemon games out there. <laughs> well, and the, the thing is, like, I, I know they just released uh, an open world Pokemon game, yeah. which I think is great. But I wish they would have gone back to the original 150, because if that happened. I would have gotten that game in a heartbeat because <laughs> The Pokemon world is perfect for that type of gameplay with open world, uh, just traveling around different places and catching Pokemon. That's that was the dream yeah. back then. <laughs> and last but not least, February 11th of 2002. Yes, we're going to start covering 2002 because it was 20 years ago. <laughs> Don't Sonic Adventure, please. Oh, it hurts me too. <laughs> it hurts me too to say it. Uh, February 11th, 2002, Sonic Adventure 2 Battle is released for the GameCube in North America, which was a port of Sonic Adventure 2 for the Dreamcast, but with an improved multiplayer. And I think the graphics were beefed up a little bit. But um, Didn't you yeah, review it, this? Yeah, I reviewed uh, Sonic Adventure 2 a while back. Yeah, I was going to say, this looks really familiar. I'm going to have to find a Sonic game to to review for when the, the movie comes out, but I've reviewed all the good ones, <laughs> so I'm going to have to review a bad one. Yeah, because these are all the Sonic games. We were talking about this, I think, on the last episode, where all I played was 1, 2, and uh, Sonic Spinball, and then everything mm-hmm. afterwards is just new to me. Like, I never played any of them. Yeah, I've... I've played most of the Sonic games. There's been a few of the handhelds that I have it, but I- I've played all the console ones. Is there uh, a I know- new Sonic game out? Because I was in Best Buy the other day, and I walked walking through the video game section, and they had a uh, Sonic demo going for the uh, the Switch, and I-, I didn't get to see what it was. It's probably the remake of Sonic Colors, which was a game for the Wii. Oh, okay. They are working on an open world Sonic game that's supposed to come out, I think, either end of this year or sometime next year. I think it's next year, but I can't entirely remember. It's called Sonic Frontiers. I think it looks beautiful. Hmm. 
but I'm curious as to how that's going to work. Cause you think of open world Sonic's not the first character you think of. Yeah, exactly. So, but we, we all know I'm going to play it. So, <laughs> uh, before we go into the review tonight, Derek has shout outs. Yes, as always, we'd like to shout out our awesome patrons over at patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. We want to shout out Tyler Watson, Axblade07, Daniel Salmon, Armez Jackson, Hand Solo, Carlos Longoria, Staff Sergeant Sketch, Gus and Penny, Matthew Salmon, Joey Image, Ron Johnson, Mixmaster, and Mike Eveland. Thank you all so much for your continued contributions to the podcast, keeping the lights on for us, and because you have kept us at that $50 level, we'll continue to do bonus episodes, much like the top five worst video game sequels that Jason and I did for January. Uh, we'll also get back to doing commentary tracks. I know we we talked about doing uh, an episode of Tiny Toons. Yeah, we're going to do and, the, uh, the, the band episode of Tiny Toons. And, and I'm hoping we can throw in uh, an episode of Gargoyles in oh, there, yeah. too, because we because we haven't watched that show yet and i did a watch through of it a few months ago very good very good cartoon that doesn't get talked about like it should so you'll have that to look forward to uh i'm sure we'll be posting polls for you know future reviews future commentary tracks top five lists things like that so if you want to vote on what we talk about just head on over to patreon.com slash retro and for new patrons be sure to send us your social media whichever you prefer to get a shout out on whether it's twitter facebook instagram so we can give you said proper shout out. Hey guys, we got to tell you about B-Res Coffee Company. Made by gamers for gamers right here on the Gulf Coast in Pensacola, Florida. No matter what your taste in coffee are, they got you covered. You like light or medium roast? Try the Necro Medium Holy Grail Light or Stamina Boost. They can even add flavors to your coffee like iCast Fireball, which is a fireball whiskey flavor. If you like darker roasts like I do, then try the Critical Dark or Coup Slayer Mocha Roast or the Gamers on the Edge Esports Roast. They even have holiday-inspired roasts like Fall Spice, Sweet Tooth, or the Muffin Man. Do you know the Muffin Man? Can't decide what you want for those all-night gaming sessions? Then try one of their specialty sample packs. All roasts are made with fair trade Colombian beans. So stop buying all that crappy coffee from the grocery store and head over to brezcoffeecode.com and use our code NCR for 10% off of your order. And tonight, Derek is going to be talking about... super nintendo sound chip it's timeless <laughs> it really is timeless so when you and i started this show back in 2016 there were a few games that were on my list that i think i'll probably never review i figured you would be the one to to do all these games that came up in my head one of them was street fighter and i say that not because i dislike the street fighter games but I just never got into them like I did Mortal Kombat or later on Smash Brothers because I, I felt like and before I really get into to my spiel here, the game I'm going to be talking about is Street Fighter 2 Turbo, which is for the Super Nintendo. Uh, it was released in 1992 for arcades and then has been released on numerous platforms, including uh, the Super Nintendo in 1993, Mega Drive Genesis also in 93, Sega Saturn, PS1, 2, and 4, Xbox, Xbox 360, and Xbox One, uh, Nintendo Switch, PlayStation Portable, and what I played it on, the Super Nintendo Classic, aka the SNES Mini. So back in the 90s, there were a ton of arcade fighting games that felt like you had Mortal Kombat, you had Street Fighter, Tekken, Soul Calibur. It just seemed like every corner you turn in the arcade, there was some type of fighting game. So it was, I don't want to say it was oversaturated because you look at what's going on with, you know, products now. Back then, you know, four is, you know, nothing. But I got into Mortal Kombat and I never really had the desire 
to get into any of the other other fighting games. But I was thinking of you know what I could review, and I wanted to review something a little different. And I know we haven't talked about fighting games in a while. So I thought, you know what? Street Fighter 2 is on the Super Nintendo Classic. I haven't fired it up in a while. So yeah, We don't review fighting games very much because the, the fighting game genre just never really has been my really in my wheelhouse because I'm not very good at them. Like, I used to love Mortal Kombat 2. I love Street Fighter 2, but I've just never really been much into fighting games. And same. It was really Mortal Kombat I played, and then I kind of got out of that genre until Smash Brothers came out, and that was mostly because it just had all the popular Nintendo characters fighting each other. So... That and really since then, that's really the only fighting game that I actually play, even though I haven't played Ultimate in in forever. But uh, Street Fighter 2 Turbo is a competitive fighting game released by Capcom for arcades in 1992. It's the third arcade version of Street Fighter 2 following Street Fighter 2 Champion Edition and was initially released as an enhancement kit for that game. Released less than a year after the previous installment, Turbo introduced a faster playing speed and new special moves for certain characters. And and that, to me, is what stood out the most, other than, you know, on the SNES Classic, you can play normal version or you can play the Turbo version. Mm -hmm. I elected, of course, to play through the Turbo version because if you got it, you, you play it. Yeah. I actually prefer that because... I don't know. I feel like I'm better at fighting games when I'm just button mashing. And when you have to do it fast, (laughs) it it makes it, it makes it more fun, but it it does give certain characters specialty moves. Now, when I did play street fighter, you know, my very limited time, I would always, I'm kind of a basic person when it comes to characters. So I would always play as Ryu, but I, I thought back to the commentary track that we did for the movie. And I said, I have to play as Bison. It just has to happen. And I'll say this. He is a tank. Yeah. Like he, he's, he's big. He's strong. And, but he's not very slow, which was very surprising to me. Um, the, the style of play still holds up. I mean, I'm a button masher when it comes to fighting, so it it, I mean, there's it a, worked for me. There's a reason that, you know, the Street Fighter 2 games are still being used in tournaments today. I mean, that that control scheme is just perfection. Yep. And it's because you you can learn very quickly what button does what move. Like you have your certain buttons for, you know, your high kicks, your low kicks, uh, your specialty move if you're playing the turbo version. And in a way, the turbo version, it forces you to be a little more precise. Mm-hmm. Like you can still button mash, but you have to be a little smarter about it. And Bison's specialty move, he's basically, he flies across the screen and his body's spinning and he's covered in a wall of fire, almost like a rocket. Like it, <laughs> it, looked, it looked really, really cool. Speaking of bison, I was in uh, New Orleans this last weekend, and I came across a smoking jacket at one of the antique shops. And I almost—I was so tempted to buy it, but it was just a large, and I'm an extra large, so I have to. That one one year for <laughs> Pensacon, you should cosplay as bison. I should. That would be so get, fun. Get the smoking jacket. Get the hat. <laughs> I would geek out if you did that. I'm going to have to find a, an extra large smoking jacket somewhere. If you don't know what we're talking about, go listen to the Street Fighter commentary yeah, just track. Go watch, just go watch Street Fighter the movie. Yeah, and as soon as you see Bison, you'll know exactly what we're talking about. Yeah, that smoking jacket was it, man. Yeah, uh, but as I mentioned, the, the gameplay is still pretty tight. The controls are very easy to pick up, and if by some chance it's not... You can go to the options screen and it tells you what button is for what move, which is actually really helpful. You know, I looked at that before I started the game. Graphics still hold up. It looks exactly like a 90s arcade game should. Um, the music is pretty catchy. It's it's not as good as the Mortal Kombat music, in my opinion, but it's still 
serves its purpose. It, what really kind of fascinated me in going back and playing it, besides the finding itself, was the level of detail in the backgrounds. Because mm-hmm. uh, basically what you do is you fly around to different parts of the world and you fight the various Street Fighter characters, depending on what region you're in. So th- this actually made me laugh out loud. So I'm in Brazil and I can't remember off the top of my head what character I'm fighting. But in most areas you're in, there's a crowd of people that are watching the fight. So you see you know, this crowd of people. You're fighting over by, by a body of water. There's this group of people on the right, and then there's a boat to your left. Right in front of the boat is the, the one Caucasian gentleman in the background <laughs> holding up a fish on a string and with his other fist, he's going <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I almost had to pause the game because I'm like, that's just so funny. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I don't know if that was meant for comedic purposes. Probably. But, but man, it made me laugh. Uh, the, the backgrounds are are great, you know, especially for a game of that era. And that reminds me of the discussions that we've had on that style of graphics, you know, that 16-bit has a timeless feel like I could see this being a new game on the switch with that same graphics look and type of gameplay. Yeah. And this always was a ridiculously good looking game even back then. And it looked as good as the, you know, the, the super Nintendo version of, you know, street fighter two looked and played as well as the arcade and that's when we finally got to the point where we could have that arc- arcade experience at home. And I think that was <laughs> this game was the start of the downfall of arcades, I think. Which is crazy because you could also think of this game as peak arcade. Yeah. Because of how popular it was. And I, so. I tell you, I, I, I still get excited when I go somewhere and I see either a Street Fighter 2 Championship Edition machine or a, a Street Fighter ver- or Marvel versus Capcom uh, a machine like that. You know, the Street Fighter 2 characters against Marvel characters. Sign me up. Yeah. Yeah. We haven't reviewed Marvel versus Capcom, have we? We should. Because that, that's a good... If you were yeah. to ask me if like you can only have one fighting game for the rest of your life or ever, that would be my choice because that game is so fun. That's a good one. I mean, who doesn't want to play Spider-Man fighting, you know, Bison? Like, that's just awesome. Or Venom versus Bison. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> and I remember they tried to do a counter to that years later with Mortal Kombat versus DC. Yeah. Which was a which was a, a pretty good game in its own right. It was decent. I actually had that for uh the PS3 yep. at the time. And uh that was a fun game, but they did like really dumb down uh the uh you know the fatalities and things like that. They didn't really have any fatalities in the game. It was very, very PG thirteen. Yeah. Yeah, I, I do agree with that, but it was just like the the concept of it was cool. And it, despite that, I thought it was still fun, but had they bumped it up to like an R rating, that would have been just yeah amazing. I want to see, uh, you know, I want to see, uh, I don't know, like, uh, I want to see sub zero rip the flash's spine out. <laughs> yeah. I want to see Batman, like, <laughs> you know, throw a battering at like someone and, and like cleave their head clean off or something, you know? Could you imagine Scorpion using his whip and like catches, say, Batman or the Flash and just yells, <laughs> get over here. Yeah, I want to see Bat, uh, you know, Superman grab somebody and just rip them in half like uh, King Shark. Just, <laughs> just grab them and just punch them in the face so hard that their head flies across the map. Just, ev- <laughs> just their whole head just evaporates. Uh, that conversation got very violent, very yeah, quick. <laughs> I mean, if, if you're going to get, you know, like if you're going to be, but it's reality it's combat. Based, so you should, I mean, if you're going to have Superman punching somebody in the face, they're not going to last very long. No, no, they are not. But uh, a cool little factoid about this game is street fighter two turbo 
saw the introduction of the first hidden character in the Street Fighter universe, uh, Akuma, who you fight at the end of the game. If you succeed in defeating all eight preliminary opponents without using any continues, hmm. then you'll fight Akuma. Like he'll show up and he'll during the final battle and he'll kill off Bison and then you fight Akuma. I did not know this. I didn't either until I was, you know, I was reading up about the game, you know, after uh, after I played it for a while. But that's kind of a, a staple now and an expectation with fighting games is that there are going to be hidden characters. I don't know if this was the first hidden character ever done. Well, no, it wasn't because I think Mortal Kombat did it with Reptile. Yeah. But um, I, I didn't know that Street Fighter did this as well. And if you look at Akuma, he looks like a character straight out of Dragon Ball Z. And I always expected um, why they. Ne- I always wondered why they never put. Um, uh, now I can't even remember the name. Uh, Final Fight characters in Street Fighter. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. So I think it would be cool to play Hagger, you know, against the Street Fighter characters. That'd be cool. Yeah. I'm wondering when the last Street Fighter game was released, because I I feel like a lot of these fighting games from the 90s, you don't really hear about anymore. Hmm. I don't know. Because I looked that up because I I remember when Soul Calibur came out with its sequel for the the GameCube, Xbox and PlayStation 2 generation. That was kind of a big deal because Tekken came out with, I think, their fourth game around the same time, but I'm sure there have been other games in those franchises since then, but you know, you get the, the odd moral combat title every now and then. In 2020, you had street fighter five champion edition. And then 2021 street fighter five champion edition, all characters pack. Okay. So it is still relevant. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's cool. Dude, look up on just for sheer curiosity. Look up um, list of Street Fighter video games on Wikipedia at the amount of Street Fighter games that have been made. This is ridiculous. Let's see. List of Street Fighter video games. Oh, my God. Because <laughs> you get all of the uh, Street Fighter, Street Fighter 2 series. Then you have Street Fighter Alpha series, then Street Fighter 3, Street Fighter 4, Street Fighter 5, compilations. It's crazy. X-Men versus Street Fighter? Yeah. Holy crap. Yeah, you got they more. released four Street Fighter games in 97. <laughs> okay, so I was wrong. Street Fighter is still very relevant. Very, very relevant. But despite all those games, it you think of the game that everybody comes back to and it's street fighter two. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I know like um, rampage brought up, I believe it was on Twitter um, street fighter three, which I've never played. Yeah. I but didn't either. You, you, no one ever talks about the original street fighter. No. Cause it was terrible. I've never played it, but I've heard that, but it's then awful, but it's like, you can't get much better than street fighter two when it comes to, that formula you know it 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 plays well the controls are tight the music's good the graphics still hold up you have a a good variety of characters to choose from it's a simple premise but i mean that's what those fighting games from back then were i mean you you look at mortal Kombat, you just fight you know all the other characters it's hard to improve upon perfection yeah so i with these games that I didn't play as a kid, you know, I try to look back and think, would I have enjoyed this game if I had played it back then? I think I would have, but I still think I would have preferred Mortal Kombat just because I thought the characters were much cooler. Yeah. And it's just as good of a style of game to me. But that's not a knock on Street Fighter 2 because I actually really enjoyed going back and playing it. Yeah, I think at the time, you know, if I'd have had my choice, it, it was definitely, you know, Mortal Kombat because it was so violent and realistic. But you go back and look at those early Mortal Kombat games, and yeah, they still kind of look cool, but they still don't hold a candle to 
Street Fighter 2, which still looks great to this day. Like, it just, it completely holds up in every single way. Mm-hmm. As far as reviews go, yeah, it was very well received. Uh, some scores from the SNES version of Street Fighter 2 Turbo. Uh, Electronic Gaming Monthly gave it 38 out of 40. Famitsu gave it 36 out of 40. Game Pro 20 out of 20. Games Master 96. SNES Force 96. Super Play 96. And Total gave it five stars out of five. So it, it's very, very well regarded. Uh, Electronic Gaming Monthly in 97 listed it as the best arcade game of all time. And also listed the SNES conversion as the fifth best game of that console. Mm-hmm. Given all the iconic games from the Super Nintendo, that's some pretty high praise. Yeah, and for a Metacritic, it's only got a 76 out of 100, which is a C rating, but I, I think that's, I don't think that's accurate. Yeah, I don't think so either. Even though I don't have that much experience with it, I wouldn't give it that low of a score. Looking at it for what it is and what it means to the video game world, specifically that genre, I would give it probably a solid eight. Yeah. And and I would say like Mortal Kombat, I can't remember what I originally gave it when, when I reviewed it, but I'd give that like an eight and a half to a nine. But, you know, I think it's always going to be that it, it's sort of like which... You know, are you a Star Wars person or a Star Trek person? It's kind of the same thing. Are you Mortal Kombat or are you Street Fighter? And I think it's always going to be that way. And you don't really see that in the gaming world anymore. You know, back when Nintendo and Sega were having their, you know, their console war of the 90s, it was like, are you Mario or Sonic? Yeah. Are you Zelda or Final Fantasy? Are you Mortal Kombat or Street Fighter? So yeah. it's... It's a very important piece of gaming history. But I, I loved playing Street Fighter 2 on the, the Super Nintendo. That was uh, a game I loved to play against other you know, friends and stuff. But when it came to the arcades, it was always Mortal Kombat. Agreed. Good, good choice. I was never really that good at fighting games. So the older I got, I was just like, eh, I don't really want to play these anymore. Well, even though like I was never really that great at them, you know, I'd still have fun because I'd get lucky every now and then. Yeah, especially when you're playing because you always have that one friend that's like way too good at fighting games. And you kind of feel like sometimes they let you win. <laughs> it's like, I don't want you to be, you know, play the sympathy card, like actually play me. And then they just wipe the floor with you. And I don't know. I just always felt like I was never good enough to like actually play someone like on an equal level yeah no i feel you on that i don't know i'm just yeah i'm not a good like like i could never learn like the even if i had the lists in front of me like i used to get like electronic gaming monthly and like try to learn the the special moves i could never get them to work ever the only one i can do that on is smash brothers yeah, the, I I mean, I would get lucky every once in a while, and, you know, Ryu would do a, a, a Hadouken or something, and I'm like, oh, I did it! And I, I never could, like, replicate it or get it to do it again. But that one time. Yeah, that one time. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, yeah, that was, uh, that, that, that brought back a lot of memories because I did play Street Fighter 2 a lot on the Super Nintendo back in the day. And like I said, when it, I always kind of get that, excitement when I go to an arcade and I see like Street Fighter 2 Championship Edition or you know Marvel versus Capcom like those machines always just I don't know they just kind of bring joy out of you when you see them yeah no I agree it was it was fun to to really dive into that game for the first time because I, I dabbled in it a little bit but you know not to the extent that I have over the last couple of days so yeah. it was it was fun uh, I'm not sh- quite sure what I'm going to review next week. I think I might do Gremlins 2, the new batch, because I started playing it uh, last month, and I was streaming it, and uh, Rampage was there with me for a little bit, and that game is just... 
I don't know. I, I, you, people know my feelings on Gremlins, and the game didn't do anything to <laughs> soften my view of Gremlins, so I may go ahead and review that next week. I feel like if there's ever a movie that is not on a poll for a commentary track, it will be Gremlins because you know as well as I do, if you put it on there, it would win. Yeah, and I just don't want to watch that movie ever again. <laughs> I have no need. But I'm no, looking forward to it. I've never played that game, so it'll be it's... be nice to hear you talk about it. Yeah, I, th- I think that's what I'll do next week. I'll do Gremlins 2, the new batch, and then uh, in March... I think we're gonna do our Disney month, so I gotta I yes. gotta finish up Kingdom Hearts for the PS2, and uh, I'm sure Atlas uh, in the in our Discord will be happy to know that I finally finished that game, and uh, I'll review that. And uh, I do want to do another um, Disney afternoon game, but I don't know which one I'm gonna do yet. I'm excited to talk about Kingdom Hearts. That's such a a fun fun game with. Uh, some really interesting stories behind it. So I I know for sure I'm going to review Darkwing Duck, which is part of the Disney Afternoon Collection. I may see if I can track down one of the sequels to um, the Magical Quest that I reviewed a couple of weeks ago. Okay. Maybe either do that or... Actually, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to review Toy Story. You know, I think I'm going to do Rescue Rangers for the NES. Chip and Dale. Rescue Rangers. You Rangers. <laughs> by, by the way, you know, every now and then on Twitter, I just like to randomly post lyrics to songs that get yeah, stuck I in my head. I saw you did Tailspin the other day. <laughs> so I'll try and post stuff every now and then that I think is kind of funny, and I'll get maybe two or three likes. I posted the first verse of the Darkwing Duck theme yeah. and got over 10 likes. <laughs> what gives? I know it's a great song, but I'm like... Come on. People like Darkwing Duck, man. Yeah, I mean, you you can't knock DW. But uh, that's going to be a fun month. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, it'll, it's going to be great. I love the theme months. Those are fun. I do, I do too. But uh, anything else? What's going on with the Feature Presentation Podcast? Yeah, so uh, this week was a, a pretty jam-packed news week. I talk about uh, the Batman being three hours long and why I think in no way does it need to be three hours long um not to say i'm not excited for the movie but i don't think it needs to be three hours i'm sorry the first hour of the movie is origin story (laughs) i'm gonna go off on that movie if that happens i don't go off on a lot of things but i will go off on that we're gonna get an eight minute slow motion shot of pearls hitting the ground Jesus Christ, that <laughs> just kills me thinking about it. It's like uh, Uncle Ben dying. I don't need to see it ever again. Yeah, we've seen it, it enough. We don't yeah. need it. Uh, see, oh, I talk about the Halo trailer, which we didn't mention the trailer for the Halo series. Oh, yeah. It looks great. I, I mean, I, it looks like the game, and I'm totally okay with that. Like, yeah, when he pulls up the rifle, and it's the rifle from the freaking yeah. game. Yes. And, then you see the 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 sword coming through the wall, and you see the oh, I geeked out over the sword. You see the arbiters. I'm like, I'm down. I'm there. And you got the warthogs. You got the pelicans. <laughs> you got Cortana. You got other Spartans. See, that's the if thing. If you're if you're a Halo fan, then there's no reason that you shouldn't check yeah, this out. And I hate it when they do video game movies and they change the look of things just for the sake of because it's a movie. They just change the way things look. No, I want it to look exactly like the game. I want to see the warthog. I want to see the pelican. I want to see everything. And it, it, oh, it's going to be so cool. I'm so ready. I can't wait for it. Uh, oh, and I also chat with, um, if you're a Mystery Science Theater 3000 fan, I chat with an actress named Jackie Neiman Jones, who played, uh, she was a kid in what's probably MST3K's most infamous spoof movie, um, Manos, the Hands of Fate. Um, that which was the movie was made in the early '60s, and it's widely regarded as one of the worst movies ever made. Actually, we talked to her a couple of months ago on uh, Open Micers. So, yep. If you want a companion podcast to the feature presentation, go back and listen to that episode of Open yeah. Micers. Go back and listen to that. Listen to this week's feature presentation. It was a fun chat. She was a nice it, lady. It's, yeah, it was crazy to hear how it was like discovered, you know, decades later. Mm-hmm. It's got a great story behind it. Yeah. So 
uh, definitely check that out. I've got um, a couple of good interviews coming up. I'm, I'm not quite ready to reveal them yet because they haven't happened yet. But um, the the next two weeks of feature presentation should be really good when it comes to interviews. Fantastic. Yeah, we got some good interviews coming up this month on Open Micers, uh, at Open Micers on Twitter and Instagram. Um, we had our uh, <laughs> our guest fell through tonight, so we had to do another host episode. Wally was going to be on, but Wally just moved, so he couldn't find his microphone, so we couldn't get Wally on. So we had a, a pretty funny episode with just me and Jacob, where uh, I had to school Jacob where um, uh, strawberry flavoring comes from, and he didn't believe me, so we had to actually look it up and... <laughs> If you don't know, go listen to the episode. <laughs> it's kind of gross. I can't. I can't wait. You, you'll you'll see in the title of the uh, the 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 episode because the title of the episode is uh, "Buttery Beaver Butt." <laughs> oh God. <laughs> oh uh, man. So I I will say this. I do like the episodes where it's just you two bantering with each other. Yeah. They're they're hilarious. Uh, we talked about that where because if and if you don't know where strawberry flavoring comes from, look it up and you'll be absolutely horrified at where the flavoring comes from. So unless you want to be really grossed out, don't do that. If you want to test your stomach, look it up. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I think that's about it. Anything else before we get out of here? Uh, I forgot to mention, you can follow uh, Feature Presentation on social media at Feature Pres Pod, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Do it. Do it now. And if you'd like to email us, you can email us at nerdcaveretro at gmail.com. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash nerdcaveretro, Instagram and Twitter at nerdcaveretro, and individually at jpunktastic at Derek underscore diamond. Go buy some merch from us, uh, ncrmerch.com. We got some new merch about to drop as soon as they uh, give me the approval on it, and it's got a little, little something to do with Wally and his catchphrase, so it's going to be really nice when that drops and i'll let you guys so keep an eye out on the twitter for when that drops also patreon.com slash retro where you can help us keep the lights on for as little as a dollar a month and if you can't do that i understand it's times are tough leave us a review wherever fine podcasts are given away for free so derek please tell them what it's all about may the way of the hero lead to the triforce yes Do you like the show and you want to help support us? Do you want extra episodes every month? Do you want ad-free versions of the show? Then you should sign up over at patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro and you'll get your very own RSS feed to put into whatever your podcatcher of choice is and you'll be first in line for all extra content. So head on over and become a Patreon supporter of this very show.